Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And today we have uh, seven reasons to talk shit about Norwich. Um, here to join me, as always, are my two trusty co-hosts. I have Sam and Andres with me, so today I'll start with Sam. Sam, how you feeling, man? I gotta do it again, Zach. Top of the table, 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 top of the table. Hold on. Let's get the shit. Let's get the shit. Let's get the shit. Let's Easy win. Can't really say much much else. I'm gonna do it every week until we're not on top of the table, just so you know. Shout out to King Kendrick, shout out to the West Coast. That's why I muted myself in the beginning because I was I was queuing that up in the uh, that's, I don't want to ruin the surprise again for you guys. Andres, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. It's uh, 11 goals, 4-0 against in one week. Hard not to be in a good mood. Wait, what'd you say? 11 goals, 4-0 oh, against. Oh, okay. I thought you, I thought you were saying said 4-0. Like, but, oh, but we don't have a but, but we don't have the best defense in the Premier League, according oh. to Paul Scholes. Oh yeah, I think and... Paul Scholes needs to <laughs> look at his own team first before starting to talk about anybody else. Paul Scholes needs to jo- stop stop suck, sucking on his daughter's toes too. What did uh? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Did you guys see that? Wait. Yes, we did. Sucking on his daughter's toes. <laughs> you didn't yes, see that video? His daughter posted a video of him legitimately full toe in his mouth i think he was God. biting he was biting her toenails but Bro, it was just know. like it was like it could the week get any worse for man united uh, an absolute thrashing by their their rivals like an absolute thrashing and then their club legend paul Scholes is caught or is it, it's it's not even like a video was leaked skulls Scholes, Scholes, you know paul Scholes. His uh, <laughs> he's uh, you know Scholes the the foot the foot thing. Um, yeah, but, uh, that was yeah. a joke, Zach. Come on, keep up. Come on, come on, bro. Paul Scholes, um, and uh, he uh, yeah, because like, like I was saying, it can't get any worse with him. It wasn't even done. It, it wasn't like a leaked video. It was like an intentionally posted video. So, congrats Jose to Mourinho talked some shit about him too. And said, like, who the fuck are you to tell me about managing a team when you only managed Oldham Athletic? Something like, something along those lines. It was a great Very week. It was a great, though. it was a great week for us. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, let's start off just quickly mentioning the midweek matchup. Uh, Champions League win 4-0 against Malmo. Um, the Dirty Swedes. Um Shout out to Nick Lennartson, uh, our our residential Swede. Um, Very clean Swede. Resident Swede, yeah, he's clean. Because um, he's in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's an expat. Um, it was an easy win, but at what cost? It was. I'm still very frustrated at the way Malmo played. They were rightfully frustrated, you know, getting destroyed, manhandled by us. But um, to end the, the match down Lukaku and Werner, who, you know, Lukaku is going to be out for, what, three to four weeks uh, with that high ankle sprain or whatever it is. Um, 
Timo Werner out for a little bit while with a with a hamstring injury. Um, how do you feel about the potential of playing without a true striker for the next two months or so? Or I mean, to 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 phrase it a little bit better, Andreas, how did you feel about that specifically going into Norwich? I was a little bit scared because in my mind, Chelsea's never good in the early kickoff and Norwich being like laughably bad for the past month only made this game more of a banana peel potential for Chelsea. So honestly, (laughs) until we scored, I was just nervous that we were going to struggle to create against a low block. But I mean, Zach, I I can't be the only one that was extremely surprised to see otherwise. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it was good timing for our strikers to get injured if they were to get injured going into a match against the worst team in the league. Um, but, but, but I would be lying as well. Andres, I'm with you on this. I, I was a little nervous going into the match. I thought the fact that we're barely scraping goals by with our defenders as of late, um, leading into it, uh, definitely made me a little wary, but. I'm glad we didn't have to worry about that at the I end mean, of the day, which is nice. Last year, we won Champions League without a striker. Our first match without a striker, we put away seven. It, <laughs> were we just not meant to have a striker and everyone else is supposed to score? Our Don't defenders, our midfielders? No, seriously. I mean, I mean a Mason <laughs> Mount hat trick, that's nice. But do we even need a striker? Like, let's just play someone on false nine, anyone, and... Like, let's just let the rest do, go to work. I I think it just shows that we don't need a target man. Like, I don't think we need to make Lukaku specifically just a target man. Let him play as a complete forward and see what happens. Why did, even, why did we even buy Lukaku? We don't need a striker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ignoring that. I'm ignoring that. Uh, okay, yeah, I mentioned Mason Mount. Well, first, let me go through the lineup real quick. Uh, pretty strong lineup. And a lot of the names that we expect to see. Mendy in goal. Chalobinho. Silva. Uh, Silva Rudy in the back. Jovicic in the midfield. Uh, Chilwell and Reese as the fullbacks. And a front three of Mason Mount, Cho, and Kai Havertz. So Mason Mount, the hat-trick hero. First senior hat-trick for Chelsea. First player to score a hat-trick at the bridge since Eden Hazard. Um... And also had an assist on top of that, plus three key passes. Um, I'll start off with a tweet, uh, a Twitter question. This one's from at Tennessee. That's a combination of Tennessee and Minnesota, I'm assuming. Uh, his name is Ted Laskell. Um, is that? Uh, I'm trying to think of the pun that he's he's incorporating with Ted Lasso. Is it like Skull? Like, oh, he's a Minnesota Vikings fan. Skull. That's what it is, right? That's that's mm. I'm guessing. All right. Yeah. All right, Ted Lasko. I, I I figured you all out. Um. This is a probably a, I think this is a first time Twitter question from him. So what's up, Ted Lasko? He said Mason Mason Mount is the best young English football footballer, and he again proved that today. Uh, Zach, would you agree with that statement? There's a there's a lot of other you know candidates out there, but what do you think? Uh, I think the only one that comes close in terms of overall potential would would be phil foden um personally i i have the chelsea bias um 
I think Mason Mount is a more complete footballer at the moment. Um, but of course, you know, it, it, it's a tough call because you're looking at two guys that have the world in front of them. And you're talking about also two players that have potential Ballon d'Or potential if they hit that. So um, I would say Mason Mount, um, just based on the premise that he's one more. Um, but, you know, I can see the argument kind of going either way. But I think the only person that comes close to me would be Phil Foden. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say you're forgetting somebody that's actually on this team. And for me, that's Reese James. I think mm. Reese James can be the best right back in the world. I think that right now he's proving that he can be one of the best right wing backs in the world. So I think, yeah, it's fun to choose the offensive talent, but I think Reese James is one of the most complete fullbacks in world football right now. And actually, I think it was England's national team posted this, uh, or somebody online made a compilation of people in the national team being asked who's the toughest player on the team. And the majority of the players said Reese James, and he's 21 years old. So to me, they, the, the real answer is Reese James. I'm going to give a shout out to Chalabino as well. Uh, potential. I mean, that, that one is a very premature take because he still hasn't. You know, has only performed in, you know, like six, seven senior matches for us. Um, but from what I've seen, I think he has potential as well to be one of England's best young talents as well. That might be premature. I don't care. I, I have Chelsea <laughs> bias. Whatever. No wrong answers as long as there's a Chelsea bias so <laughs> attached to it. So um, how about well, – let's get your reactions to the performance, Andreas. Uh, what what did you think about Mason Mount's hat trick performance? Uh, I think good things happen when Mason Mount is shooting. I think that sometimes, I don't know if it's whether it's by instruction or you know, like I said, I think he played a totally different role under Southgate, and maybe when he came back from the Euros, it was kind of mix and match. Like, what am I supposed to be doing in this place? But Mason Mount is an attacking midfielder and he needs to put himself in a position where he's getting the, the hard stats. And I think he did that in this game. So for me, I was happy to see him uh, shoot confidently. He had four shots on target out of five total shots today. So to me, that was the big thing that stood out for me is that he was doing a little bit less of the flashy dribbling and going back to what made him kind of a fan favorite at the beginning of his time here under Frank, which was, being in the right place and finishing out uh, runs of play with goals. I'm going to kind of piggyback on that because I, I agree with you, Andres. I think our one criticism of him, if you can even criticize him, because he's been our best player for the better part of two years now, is getting those hard stats, getting the goals and assists um, to actually add up on paper, as opposed to just creating those chances. So, um, Obviously, this is a big performance for him. I, I hope that this is potentially a springboard. Um, we always said that he can add goals to his game, and I'm, I'm going to focus on that specifically. I think he took this game by the scruff of the neck. Um, it, it showed a lot of leadership in terms of him coming in here and being our main man um, You know, when we're down a striker and being that focal point for our attack. So I, I hope he kind of pops from here. 
I hope him seeing mm-hmm. the ball go in the back of the net a couple of times, seeing what he's capable of, seeing how much he could impact the game. I'm, I'm sure it's no secret to him, but to finally see the results um, is going to be huge. So I think for him, the main thing is staying humble, but also building on the confidence, going into next game with that same mentality, like Andres said, the triple threat, the ability to shoot, pass, and dribble, not just looking to set his teammates up or not just looking to break the lines or not just looking to press hard, but just putting everything together. Um, this was th- this was his most complete performance by a long shot. And granted, it, you do take it with a grain of salt because Norwich are, are pretty crap. Yeah. But at the same time, you can only play who's in front of you. And Mount made the most of his opportunities. There was really, I can't even think of a mistake that he made. And I think the one shot that he did miss. Um, the penalty? You know. Yeah. It, it, it was literally that penalty, which he never really looked like making to begin with. Um but luckily for him, uh, he got the second pen. And I'm glad Ross Barkley didn't because that would have – imagine if Ross Barkley took that second penalty and Mountain didn't get the hat trick. That just would have uh, Ross sucked. Barkley would have put that away. We would have. We would not have gotten across Barkley, okay? Let's, let's put a little respect on his name. He almost had another – he almost had a goal. He put a good yeah. chance. Okay, let's give, let's give him some respect. But also let's not forget that this was Mason Mount's first goal of the season. He hadn't scored all, all season long. So um, – this 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 took a little bit of time for him to get into the groove of things. That first shot he had, the goal, was was technically brilliant. It was it was what a strike. Um, the other two goals, obviously the penalty and the second chance, was you know kind of a tap in. That first shot, that's what we want to see from Mason Mount on the right foot. You know, first time, it's 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 like a poacher's mentality from outside the box. Um, and that's the stuff that Mason Mount can do, and I'm really excited to see more of that. Um, I mean, we're talking about Mason Mount so much. Uh, we got a Twitter question from at Tom Ashdown15. He said, maybe you can devote an entire episode to Mason Mount. <laughs> uh, maybe not this episode. We've got some other things to talk about, but maybe uh, maybe during the next international break, we'll have a full Mason Mount episode just to you know fill in some time. <laughs> Because it seems like there's an international break every other week now. Um, yeah. So it, it should be coming soon. I think we only um, have like three weeks for, before another one. It's so annoying. Um, yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Cho. Um, it was expected that he was going to start given all the injuries to uh, our other wingers. So And, I, and it was a great performance. Uh, he, he had his, his first goal in the league this season. Um, he did score. He scored against Malmo, right? No, did he? Uh, no. no, he did not. I don't. I don't remember. But um, he did. He looked great on the ball. Twenty-three out of twenty-six passes completed. Did he not have an assist? He almost had an assist, or he had. A... He assisted. No, he assisted uh, Havertz in the Malmo game. Yeah. Right. You're right. You're right. That. That's what I'm. That's what I'm mixing the two together. Um, but he did have one key pass. So let's uh there was a question from at black emoji. He said thoughts on Tuchel's 250 games comment about Callum. Um, so this was a statement that Tuchel said uh, pre-match uh, on whether Cho could revive his Chelsea career. He said the only person who can decide this and answer this question is Callum. Chelsea's manager said uh, it's as easy as that. Is there a turning point? Okay, he needs to prove it. He needs to play the next 250 games on the highest level, and then that was the turning point. 
But is it a turning point if he does a brilliant match tomorrow? No. Um, uh, that, that's that's a kind of weird statement. I don't know exactly what he's trying to say. And I think there might be a little bit of a language barrier type of thing. Because I don't know what exactly he was trying to say. But, Zach, did, can you decipher this maybe a little better than I can? I think I think what he was trying to convey was um, that he wants Cho to be consistent night in and night out, not just come in and have one good performance and then, you know, be lackadaisical for the next two or three. Um, it, it, it's a big point in Cho's career right now where he's at at his age, at his development, and even with his particular situation at Chelsea where transfer rumors seem to be circulating every time a window nears. Um it's a pivotal time for him, and this is basically Tuchel's rally call to him to step up. Um, otherwise, um, you know, he might not have a long-term future here. Andres, anything you want to add? Um, I honestly, it just kind of carries on to like what we've kind of been hinting at. I, I don't, we don't know what happens at practice, and something tells me that. Callum may be, to use a football reference, like he may not be a practice player. Like you hear that in American sports, like where players just do not perform in practice. So then fans like us watch him in games and think, oh, well, he obviously deserves to keep getting starts when he does perform. But something must be happening behind closed doors for not just Tuchel, but every manager before him to say the exact same thing, where everyone comments on the potential and what he can do but everyone also comments on the fact that Cho has to show this every single day so I don't know if there's a lack of maturity in terms of uh, work ethic when the cameras aren't on but <laughs> when the cameras are on and he's in his preferred position he looks great so mm -hmm. uh, I think that's kind of like the, the underlying theme not only in Tuchel's comments but any time that a manager talks about Cho to the press that was Tuchel pre-match. Now, post-match, he said, uh, on Cho's performance, he said, good, he had a good game. He played well against Malmo and had a good game today, but there's still things to improve and to work on. Now it is on him. It is like I said before the game. He needs to show that he's able to produce performances like this consistently, and now is the time to show. Next opportunity will be Tuesday. A little bit more tough love from Tommy Tuchel for Cho. Um, do you guys think it's a little bit unfair the way that he talks about him publicly? Like, do you like we 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 we've always talked about how great of a man ma manager Tuchel has been, and I'm just not happy with the way. I'm not happy, but I just don't like the way that. Tuchel treats Cho in the press and the way he talks about him. It can't be good for his confidence. Uh, it, it just, it you know, it's, it's not what the fans want to hear either. Maybe it's a little bit of, you know, trying to light that fire under him. But it, I really do think it, it hurts his confidence more than it helps him. Andreas, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think... I think what bugs me, I don't mind when a manager tries to give tough love or, or encouraging kind of thing. Like, Cho's young, and we know Cho is very much in into the whole social media 
And he looks like the kind of player that's going to Google his name after a good match and just kind of read in his own hype. But what I don't like is it has to be consistent across the board. You never hear uh, Tuchel say something like this about other players that aren't performing. He kind of hinted at the fact that Kai and Ziyech didn't perform, and that's why Barkley was getting minutes. But it feels as if when it comes to Cho, he is more deliberate and it's more targeted when it comes to his kind of tough love or, or you know, blatantly pointing out mistakes sort of thing. So for me, I think, yes, we love to praise Tuchel for, for the man management side. I just think that it needs to be consistent across the border. Like you said, something like this can get to Cho eventually and get the opposite effect of what he's trying to go for here, which is to motivate him to get him to the next level. Um, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it in the same way you guys do. I, I, I think this is Tuchel coaching Cho. Like, I, I, I think this is legitimately what he's trying to do here. Now, I understand the argument about consistency and treating every player the same, but I mean, these are professional footballers. They're also human beings, and they all have different personalities. They respond differently to different sorts of criticism or different types of coaching methods. And yeah, it, it does come off as tough love. Um, it does come off as something that we're a little, it sounds a little unfamiliar, at least coming out of Tuchel's mouth. But like I said before, I, I, I really genuinely think this is a, a pivotal moment in Cho's Chelsea career here. And now he's in a position where he didn't necessarily play himself into this playing time that he's getting, but it's more of a situational thing. But the point is, and I think this is what Tuchel's trying to get across, is here's your chance. You need to take it. Um, I think something that we also need to think about as well, um, besides you know Lukaku coming back in some weeks, or, or, or Timo Werner for that matter, is also the return of Christian Pulisic. That's a guy that we know can come into the team and impact the game. And... Cho has to keep playing well because when Pulisic comes back, he's going to get his chances because there's a lot of games to go around. Um, and that's just going to be more squad competition. So for me, this is just a matter of Tuchel telling Cho, you got to keep it up. You know, two games isn't enough, especially at this level. Um, when you're playing at Chelsea Football Club, you can't have two or three good matches and, and, and have it be done and dusted and you're a great player. Sam, you just talked about Trevor Chalaba being one of the best English youngsters, and he only had seven or eight good performances for us. And you even mentioned that that's too soon to say something. So even if Cho puts together seven or eight great performances, it's still not done and dusted that you know he's a Chelsea player for the next eight to ten years or that he's going to blow up and become some sort of superstar. He needs to keep putting in these matches. And I do understand the slight criticism in the Norwich match. He did fade a bit, let's be honest. Um, now, the focal point was Mason Mount in this game. He was pulling all of the strings. I think our midfield was fantastic in this game, too. That's something we haven't mentioned yet. But again, you know, besides his goal, I feel like there was enough to go around for everybody. And I think Cho maybe could have gotten involved a little bit more. Now, is that a little bit harsh? Yeah, because we did win 7-0. But the point is, and this is what Tuchel's getting at, we need to see more. If he is going to blow up and pop and become this incredible player, we need more from him. It can't just be, you know, a goal every six or seven appearances. I don't know. Like, me, a podcaster, saying it's too soon to be, you know, heralding uh, Chalabino as, you know, a great young English talent is a lot different than 
the player's manager in the press, like hardly giving credit to him when he's having a good performance. You know, he says, yeah, that's a good match, but, and then adds a bunch of other things on top of it. I don't like that personally. Sorry. I think, I, I think a good thing to mention, and I'll just kind of touched on this is look at all the managers Cho had at the senior level. He's all, he's went through something similar with everybody with sorry in the beginning we were begging for him to get in and he couldn't work his way into the squad. And then when he got his chance at the end of the season, that's actually, I think when he looked his brightest for us and then, you know, under Lampard, he's, he's in and out of the squad. It's constantly being chopped and changed. And now Tuchel comes in and the same thing happens. All three managers are asking the same questions of him. They're all acknowledging that potential, but none of them are able to get it out of him. And so it's a pattern. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and, and, and I think this is what Tuchel's getting at. And, you know, if it doesn't come together for him in the next couple matches or, you know, or, or at least this run of games that he's going to get, maybe his time is up come the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is the this is right around the time where, I mean, Tuchel's been in this team long enough to kind of analyze a squad and see what players he can use in the future and what players are a little more disposable. And right now I think Cho's leaning on the more disposable side for him. Yeah, I mean, the, but now is his opportunity. Like, like, mm-hmm. like he said, like uh, Tuchel said, he's he's gonna have a run of matches where he's gonna be played out of necessity because of injuries, and uh, it's probably not the way that he wanted it. But now that it, now that it, it, it's it's the case, now that that's the case, he's got to take it. Um, and we we have a pretty easy run of a couple matches. Uh, Coming up, Southampton midweek, then Newcastle next week, Malmo again, then Burnley, and then we have Leicester. So we have four matches against, you know, low low level teams comparatively. Yeah. That we should win and that he should flourish in, that he should have confidence in. And I'd be, I'm really, uh, November twentieth is the Leicester match, so that's that's a little under a, a month. You know, it, I, I'm I'm sure that health, you know, the health of of Werner, Pulisic, and you know whoever else, Ziyech. I mean, he you know he is healthy, but anyone else who can play that winger role, um, whether he has played well enough in those previous four matches to warrant himself to play this match, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's something to keep an eye out. So, let's talk a little bit about Kai Havertz. He did score in the Malmo match, as we mentioned. Uh, a cheeky chip, I must say. I mean, that and th- those are the type of goals that he scored time and time again at Leverkusen. Um, but you know, in, in the Norwich match, he was not impactful at all, um, which was surprising because almost every other player played incredibly. He was the one lone player who was just like a you know a, a dull spot um only one shot on target two out of three dribbles completed not a single key pass five out of 12 duels won it, it just seems like we're going back into you know the phase of Kai Havertz that we saw last year where he looked very lethargic it looked like he wasn't trying it looked like he was lost and it, it, it's happening again Zach, what do you see with Kai Havertz? What's going on with him? 
Some I don't really know. Um, because this, sorry to cut you off, but this is like yeah. his opportunity. Again, like we talked mm-hmm. about Cho, Lukaku and Werner are going to be out. This is his chance to solidify himself as a, you know, as a striker. I mean, even if that's not his natural position, that's a position he can play. Well, well, I remember before the last international break, we specifically called out Mason Mount and Kai Havertz for not performing well enough this season. And, you know, we, we come back from the break and we see what Mount's done. You know, his focus seems to be aligned again and, you know, he's back and banging and we just haven't seen that from Kai. Um, I think our best performances from him have come in Europe, and I don't think that's a coincidence because the matches tend to be a little less physical and they tend to be more open, which kind of suits his his style of play a little bit more. There tends to be more space for him to operate. Um, in a game like this, obviously it's stacked against him because you know, if you are going to play him as a striker, ideally you're not going to do that against a low block, uh, at least a striker like him. Um but the same criticism I had for Cho in terms of, of fading um, applies to Kai. But the difference is Kai didn't show up at all. Um, I, I I don't remember any time where, you know, he looked like a threat. Um, you know, he, he's getting constantly bumped off the ball. His, his body language doesn't look great. And that's a bit of a concern for me. Um, but... Uh, it really is confusing because you're looking at a guy that has all the talent in the world and someone that we, when we purchased him, I mean, it's still expected that he's going to become a, you know, 25, 30 goal contribution player, you know, in terms of goals and assists. So we're still waiting for that to happen. Maybe it's some growing pains with the premier league, but from what I've noticed and seen, I think he's had his better performances in Europe. And like I said, I think the physicality and just the openness of the matches and the space that he has, has a lot to do with it compared to, you know, playing in England where it very much is smash mouth shit house and there's really no space to operate for a player like him. Um I get that we want to see more goals and assists. I totally get that I'm on the same boat there. I think it's a little harsh to jump on this specific um performance and say that he didn't perform because I'll put it this way. We've played teams just as bad as Norwich with actual strikers, and we didn't score seven goals. So much like when we talk about how Timo Werner does things without doing things, I think that we can at least give credit to Kai for unlocking everyone else. Uh, what he didn't do you get do? the assists or anything. What does, whenever Timo Werner plays, he doesn't do anything. We win by three goals. Kai yeah, but it's the pit. Was in the middle of the field. Like, uh, I think he was making the – runs maybe he wasn't getting the ball but his positioning might have opened up things like reese james scoring or like i think we could barely afford to have one player in timo like that let alone two well timo's not here lukaku's not here and we scored seven goals like that's the kind of thing i'm trying to say is like yeah kai didn't score today i get that but i think he was in the right places at the right time like i i'm not saying like it was a 10 10 performance and I'm not disagreeing that he's played better in Europe than he does the Premier League. But just because he didn't score today, I don't think that that means that we could have put any player there and we we still would have scored seven goals. My God, we paid 70 million pounds for a decoy. 
That's what you're saying, Andreas. A hundred. We paid. We paid. We we paid ninety million for uh, Lukaku, and you just joked about Lukaku not scoring. I mean, Sam, Sam, in Andreas's defense, this is the same club that paid seventy million for a backup goalkeeper. Um, (laughs) No, look, look. I'm I'm gonna disagree. Like, we don't score seven goals all day, and we bring Kai Havertz back to the striker position, and we suddenly score seven goals. No, one shot though. Like. Again, it's a false nine. You guys have been calling it a false nine this whole time. Okay, but yeah. we're also we're scoring we're scoring seven goals against a shit team, and I and I didn't see how Kai Havertz like with with with, with Timo Werner, it's the pace, it's the thought in the back of every it's, it's the thought yeah. of in the back of every center back's head. Oh man, this guy's gonna burn me for speed. With Kai Havertz, yeah, he's fast, but he doesn't have Timo Werner speed. It, 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 I don't see how like and I, I get what you're saying about what Timo does, I agree with. You know, like he's might not be contributing with the raw numbers, but he is contributing to the match. With Kai Havertz, and I'm not just talking about this match. It's been like this the whole season, plus how it's been the whole time he's been on Chelsea. He he, he has these spells where he doesn't impact the match at all. And uh I mean, maybe you saw something I didn't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm I'm just saying it how I saw it, and I I didn't really see much from him. Zach. I'm not I'm not totally shitting on him. I I'm just saying I I, I need to see more. It, I, I I don't I don't think I don't think that can like really be argued with the price tag and the reputation that he comes along with. Like this is Germany's star right. boy. Right. I get he, that. He, so so you know and how and how they perform on fucking international break when they play for germany he they put away goals though. yeah both he, of them do he plays but, but, right he but, plays right behind the keeper right not to, the keeper the striker though like we yeah. play him off center like there might be something there to it like i'm not saying like we don't know how to use kai Havertz. so like I, like kai Havertz needs it's our fault i'm saying like it's a different role altogether if if we want kai Havertz to score let him play behind Lukaku or Werner or whoever and don't force him to defend, don't force him to go off-center and make the off-center runs be something that he adds here and there. Like, that's what I was getting You're, I you're I'm right. Because I'm, I'm looking think, at Kai Havertz's heat map right now and he's hardly in the center. So you're right about yeah. that. Well, 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 to be fair, I do think partnering him with Lukaku will free him up a bit because it'll let him... If he can play in that second striker role in almost that like positionless role where he just goes and finds the fucking game and finds the ball, um, right? Maybe that'll suit him. Like, sort of how sort of how Ozil was in his prime at Arsenal. I, I hate to draw that fucking comparison, but in the same you can way, go a little where... further and go to Madrid where he was the best ten in the world. Exactly, yeah, let's, exactly. Let's go he there. didn't have a position. <laughs> there, there wasn't. There wasn't like a. You know, if you looked at his heat map there, I mean, he's here, there, and everywhere. He's all over the fucking place because he just goes and finds the ball and makes things happen. I think he's Roy Kent. But, but again, you're stuck in this <laughs> conundrum where you're not gonna make, a, you're not gonna change the whole system to to accommodate Kai because we tried to do that for Lukaku and we saw how that worked out. So Kai has to figure it out, and that's what I'm getting at. The best part about that Roy Kent joke is that Zach didn't get it. <laughs> No, but but I, I want to just say like we talk about not accommodating or whatever like we hit a rough patch in the past couple of weeks where 
our chances created were like stiff forced chances. And and like we were talking about like potentially switching to a back four. Tuchel mentioned potentially switching to a back four. And this isn't like a Kai specific issue. We had had misfiring and like no creativity for like three or four matches altogether. Like Kai Havertz got a hat trick playing the number 10 role. I know it was Barnsley or something, but like he was a number 10 at Leverkusen, which made him have the price tag he had. And we played him in the number 10, maybe like seven times before he got COVID. And then those seven times we all thought he was the best player on the pitch. Like, I don't think there's a coincidence there. Yeah. But again, I, we just need to be realistic about it. Like I don't see us yeah. playing a back four and I, I, I think, I think the way to, the thing I would like to see that might unlock him would be a front three of Kai, Lukaku, and Mount, and have Mount play just in behind Lukaku and Kai, and then have Kai play in that role like I was talking about, where he just finds the game. Um, That way you still have your energy up top with Mount, you still have your goal scoring with Lukaku, and then Kai can just be that creative force that, you know, we bought him for. Andreas, the Kai Havertz apologist. Here, I'll I'll give you a lob, okay? Mateo Kovacic. Let's talk about him. Thank God. All right. Kova crew. Listen. Was here in full effect. 90, uh, 90, 94 pass completion rate. So he had 79 out of 84 passes completed. Six key passes. Eight out of five out of eight long balls uh, completed. Uh, two big chances created. He has been on an absolute tear and has questionably been our best player in the past month or so consistently our best player i i mean i think the growth from last year to this year mateo kovacic has become a world-class center mid andres what, what, what do you think listen don't look now but he has more assists than KDB and Bruno Fernandez combined in the Premier League. Woo! So, How many does he have? I think he's at three. S- no, no. Yes, no. he had two this he past had, match. Yeah, he's had more than that. I can pull it up oh, real quick. He had he's the got one five Luka- Lukaku's first goal at the bridge. He has five. Five. He's got five assists. That's yeah. more than the two best tens in the league. Five Just assists say. in what? And nine matches. Eight. That's ridiculous. That, yeah. Yeah. So my point is, like, people love to complain that Kovacic is just like a dribble in circle merchant or a possession, like what's it called, the uh, press resistant merchant, and that's the only thing he can do. He has had, and in this game specifically, he had like the Cesc Fabregas to Diego Costa Watford pass to Cho. That ball was absolutely beautiful between the the. The center back and the well, actually, is the center back and the wing back to find Cho, and all he had to do was take one touch before scoring. Like he has found that forward pass this season, and maybe it's just the magic of wearing the number eight jersey instead of the seventeen. But Kovacic has found like new life again this year, like surprising to even myself when I thought that Conte and Jorginho were going to get ninety percent of the big game starts. I, I see Kovacic actually looking for that pass more this year than he did in years past. 
I think it's always been in his locker. I just haven't seen him really looking for it. He's picking up his head a lot sooner now. Like, I'm thinking specifically of that Lukaku through ball, um, his first goal at the bridge where he cut it back near post. Um, you know, he, he he took the ball on the spin, one touch, spun a defender, and then immediately played it through. Two touches, and he's gone. Um, whereas in years past, he'd, he'd collect the ball, spin a defender, take one or two touches too many, and sort of lay it off, and we would just retain possession. So... Yeah, he is becoming that more well-rounded player. And we always talked about how scary he would be if he was able to to add those assists to his game. And now he's starting to do that. I think I, I think he could get the, to double digits by the end of the season, especially if he keeps playing the way he's playing. And I, I feel like Tuchel has a lot to do with it, too, just because of the confidence he's instilled in him. You know, just let the ball go. You know, I, I think Tuchel understands that by giving certain players freedom in terms of creative freedom, um, you know, there's going to be a high high risk reward factor, and, and and with Kovacic, Tuchel just kind of throws that out the window and says, "Here, you have the keys. If you want to make the pass, make the fucking pass." And yeah. that that's just opened up his game completely. It's done it's done him wonders. And like the biggest change is him taking I mean, like the amount of confidence he has. He's taking a lot of shots from outside the box. I mean, he has a goal that that's more goals than he's ever had for Chelsea in a season. Right? The shooting's like, another story. I mean, it's not it's not good, <laughs> and I don't I don't care if he's taking these shots. To be honest, like yeah. I, I like the confidence to take them, and they will come. And if he doesn't make them, I really don't care. Honestly, I like to see him taking those chances. If you're open, you shoot. Yeah. Um, anything else you guys want to touch upon before we move on? I I, I wanted to give a quick shout out for to uh, RLC for that assist on the last Mesa Mount goal. That was great. Oh, I, I was a great assist, but I know for a fact that he knew he took too long of a touch there. I know he didn't want to pass there. Oh like, there's yeah, there's no way. Yeah, that was yeah. such a mistake on his part, but yeah. he recovered great. For sure. That but... run though, that run though was like prime RLC during sorry, like exploding out of the like the one-two pass and just off for the races, like. We always talked about how we never knew if his speed was going to come back, but man, it has been amazing to watch RLC continue to to keep Saul on the bench. Let's just say it that way. He is he is very similar to Rudiger, where like the first two or three yards aren't the quickest, but at top speed, he's ridiculous. That that uh that pace is definitely still there, um, and it, 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 I, I want to keep seeing him play. I, I I I I don't think Saul or no you know anything you're about to say about Saul no <laughs> yep no 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 I know but I, I was gonna say I I always bring up Saul when I talk about RLC because you know <laughs> that's the player that we thought would take up some of RLC's playing time and right now Saul's not gonna get anything the guy is he's not just playing well he's getting better every time he plays so just adds to our squad depth our midfield is is so deep. All right, let's move on to Twitter questions. Um, this first one is from Huey98758. He says, well, we got Reese and Chili playing like we wanted, and look at the results. Would love to see this team and Tommy T uh, win the Prem, but can we? Man. Yes. Liverpool looks scary, guys. Mohamed so, Salah is the best player in the world right now. Mohamed Salah is the best player in the world right now. Yeah, he is. Uh, five letters. 
AFCON. <laughs> he's I right. Mean, sure, they're gonna right? drop. They're gonna drop points. You're right. When he's gone, yeah. when him, oh, Eight and Sane. I mean, Mane. Mane. Mane and, and Matip will be out. So, you know, yeah. we know that their yeah. depth at center back isn't very deep. You know, Nabi Keita as well. Back? He's been playing well for them. He well, started Nabi Keita is always out, and he's going to be out for a while he anyway scored, after the tackle. I mean, he's, he's he scored, scored his last two games. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know if you guys saw that Paul Pogba tackle on him. Really oh, bad. Oh, I did see that. He's, that he's going to be out. He's going to be out for he, a couple weeks. Did he break something? I don't know. He got stretchered off though, and yeah, it looked Pogba bad. deserved a red. It was bad. It oh was yeah, bad. straight red. Yeah. How about how about did you guys see Ronaldo against Phil Jones? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man is frustrated. Kicked him like twice after he got the ball down. He straight up, fully loaded a kick, and and smack. I mean, he hit the ball, but that's frustration. I love to see that. But against Curtis Jones. Back Curtis to the Jones, question. Yeah. Back to the question at hand. Yeah, City and Liverpool. I mean, sure. Afcon is is what you, we talked about this before, and I forget. It's gonna span like five or six matches. Yeah. So uh, potentially eight, mm-hmm. because apparently the day, the moment Boxing Day matches end, the players fly to Africa for mm. like training camp, and then you expect sure. in Salah's form, and then the fact that. Mane and and uh, Edward Mendy, their country has a great team. You expect both of these countries to go deep into the tournament, so potentially anywhere between six and eight matches. Um, Liverpool already has a long list of injuries. I mean, we, you talked about Keita's already out, Harvey Elliott's already out, Thiago Alcantara is already out. Um, Curtis Jones might be hurt after this. Like, it's just it, they're. Their injuries are stacking up, and I don't know about you, but a front line of Jota, Divokorigi, and Firmino isn't quite the same. I wonder how long until Klopp complains about the injuries again. It's usually right around Christmas time where he uh, <laughs> starts complaining. I, I do want to like say, like, like, the fact that we have the best two wingbacks in the world right now in terms of form mm-hmm. is crazy because I think that's the one aspect of this formation that I thought like could be lacking when Thomas Tuchel was running this formation at Dortmund, he had Hakimi and I believe Guerrero who are both not natural defensive players, meaning they were bombing forward and scoring plenty of goals, but now our wingbacks are doing so. And mm-hmm. I and they can hold around defensively. Right, exactly. So they're doing it on both ends, but I can't remember where I read it, but apparently Reese James was a striker at some point in the youth and I the fact that. that now he's chipping the keeper super confidently, like I'll take that any day. Uh, the big thing for me is that right now we have the mo- like second most goals in the Premier League, and we have conceded the most or the least by a long shot in three. So we have mm-hmm. a twenty goal differential right now, which mm-hmm. is outstanding. I think that we've proven that our back three, no matter what unit is out there, is going to be solid. They even make. You know, kept us back in confidence, and he looks good when he's playing. Our midfield, it, Conte's not there a lot. We still look good. We didn't have a striker this week. We scored seven. So while Mohamed Salah is the best player in the world right now, what happens when he's not there? Like, we just showed that it doesn't matter which 11 we're putting out, and the team knows what to do and what their roles are. I think right now it's more – I think it's like 
City, Chelsea, and maybe Liverpool, depending on what their form is going into that long stretch without Mohamed Salah. Like, I think that's kind of like how I see it. I think City's still more of a threat than Liverpool. And it's great how think, we can rule out United now after this past yeah. week. <laughs> I, I know I, this is... I ruled them out since the Paul Scholes curse. Paul Scholes talked shit about Chelsea and said how United has the best defense and offensive unit. Then he sucked a toe on Instagram. And now he's and Paul Scholes. United has conceded. And now he's and Paul Scholes. How do you, they, how do you they even... They like 11 goals in two games. How do you even start by saying... Like, the first compliment in anyone's head, if you're going to compliment Man United, is not that defense. And, and, I, and I saw a stat after the match today saying that I think they put in the least amount of yardage as a team in terms of just overall work. They have the lowest work ethic in the Premier League as a unit. That's a joke. How could you be the best defensive unit in the mm-hmm. league and not work? Yeah, I mean, when you have Shame a guy on. like Ole Gunnar, it's, it, like, it's, hard, it's hard to get you know motivated to run when you have someone like that behind the helm. I feel like he's one of those old heads that whenever he talks, every great player in his generation just goes, oh, you know, like, just come on, Scolzi, just just stop it. Uh, I mean, I, I also want to add, like, you talked about them not having the yardage. Everyone that's like in the Man United stratosphere wants to complain about Fred, but Fred has more tackles than their whole back line. So yeah. like, you're going to really say that somebody like that is the best defensive unit in the league. Come on. All right, let's go on to the next question. Um, this one's from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He asks, 23 goals, only three conceded. What's more impressive? Uh, I'd say the goals scored uh, because we knew that we would have like a really strong defense. That's what we had last year. The goals are what didn't come. You know, it didn't come. But then again, what's what's 7 divided by 23? 30% of our goals came this past week. Actually, so I take back my answer. <laughs> that that number is skewed. <laughs> that number is very skewed because 30% of our goals came this past week. I changed my answer. 3 goals is more impressive. Yeah, agreed. I I think that the goals scored part is more impressive to me, not because of how many goals we scored, but the fact that I think we have something like 15 different goal scorers this season. 17. After Cho. 17 in all competitions. I think, yeah. I don't know if in the Premier League we've had 17, but yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Are yeah, you... I, that's, that's the part that I'm like most excited about i mean the goals are coming but the fact that it's everybody scoring i think is the coolest part all three center backs all of our wing back options Jorginho takes pks kovacic got his goal this season front line speaks for itself the whole back line at this point has scored this season yeah uh-huh. trevor chalaba has two Thiago, <laughs> rudiger uh christensen, christensen got his goal silva yeah. aspie Mm-hmm. You add the full the wing backs like every wing back has scored, and Chilwell's in like three Premier League starts in a row. So that honestly, that's more impressive to me because under Tuchel, we already knew that our defense was going to be well organized going into this season. I did not expect to be a goal behind Liverpool, and yes, we scored seven, but Liverpool just had five this this week against another really bad team. So I mean, we <laughs> both like to beat up on the little ones. Yeah. But- 
honestly, it, it just goes to prove how that that Scholes' comment was even dumber. Like, if you're going to talk about our defense, you also have to talk about the way our defense attacks as well. <laughs> so you got to take that into consideration. Our back line outscored how many teams this season? <laughs> how many goals does A our lot, back line actually. have? A lot. Well, you're, you're counting Reese James and and uh, Chilwell and, 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 and Marcus Alonso in that yeah, equation. Chilwell, Chilwell alone has more goals than Norwich. <laughs> That's not saying much, though. Damn, Norwich <laughs> have only scored two goals in nine matches. Man, how, how can we? My, how can we get what? Free my boy Billy Gilmore. Free my boy Josh Sargent. <laughs> Sargent, really free Josh Sargent. Um. All right, we got another question from Ron. Here's a quote from Tuchel. PSG and Chelsea, these are two teams that are at the opposite ends in terms of style and organization. In Paris, I worked more as a minister of sport than as a coach, also managing the, the family and friends of stars. At Chelsea, on the other hand, I can work more calmly. How much has having him at the helm helped with the culture of the team? How worried are we about Pulisic? I don't know how that sec. I don't know how that second part. I think that I'm hoping that's like a completely unrelated question, because I, I don't know so. if anything. Let's tackle the first part. Yeah, how much has having him at the helm helped with the culture of the team? I mean, if you, a post from Cho, obviously, what we talked about earlier, it's been phenomenal. Uh, I think his like ability to be so candid, and as well as the part that we obviously no he's like an x's and o's genius and he is so well spoken with what he wants to see from the team and, and how he wants them to organize themselves and set up the team needed it i mean this isn't the chelsea of the mid 2000s where you had multiple international captains and and developed great football minds and athletes to where your manager was just what tuchel said he was at psg here at chelsea he gets to be a coach like, that's what he loved to do. And we were desperate for a traditional coach, not a man, like, not just a locker room ego manager. So I think it's one of those things where it's a perfect partnership. Chelsea needed exactly what Tuchel is, and Tuchel needed to go back to just being a coach. And, I mean, it, it just shows that how the culture is right now. I think uh, that experience at Paris only helped Tuchel um, in terms of his man management here at Chelsea. I mean, you don't get a more glamorous dressing room to look after, uh, you know, when you walk in and you see guys like Neymar and Mbappe and Marquinhos and even Thiago Silva when he was there. Um, but it's just kind of funny. I, I think it speaks to the culture difference between the two clubs. You know, you have PSG, which is this big money club that, I consider to be sort of soulless because, you know, just go ahead and look at Tuchel's role when he goes there. They hire a manager to manage players, not to manage family members, not to manage uh, Wanda Accardi, not to manage, you know, uh, the family and friends and posses that these players roll with. Tuchel comes here to Chelsea. It's, it was obviously a young group that was eager to learn with, you know, uh, a couple veterans, you know, sprinkled in there, and as Piliqueta, guys like Rudiger that have been around the block. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's very much needed. This is exactly the type of manager that 
we needed to come into the club because as great as Frank was in terms of morale when he first came in, you know, the tactical side wasn't there. And then when Nat started to dwindle, we saw his relationships with players start to deteriorate. And and Tuchel seems to kind of have everything in order in his house. So I don't see that changing anytime soon. I, I think he runs a tight ship, but I think he also holds a really open dialogue with everybody. And I think that's why he's able to to manage and and control such a deep squad with so many players that should be getting playing time. You know, you look at our bench and you can make the argument that any of those guys could start on any week for any other Premier League side. You know, so the ability to manage players like that and to kind of keep them under control and keep them focused on the task is, it's ridiculous. I I can't praise him enough for that. All right, let's move ahead. Um, midweek matchup, Carabao Cup. Um, at home against Southampton. Um, before we jump in, I kind of wanted to just go through uh, the list of teams remaining, um, just to see, get a gauge of, you know, what what's what's uh, left in this in this uh, in this tournament. Um, so, Arsenal and Leeds. The, I'm, I'm going to read the matchups. Obviously, only one of these teams will advance. Arsenal and Leeds, QPR and Sunderland. Burnley, Tottenham, Leicester City, Brighton, uh, Preston North End, Liverpool, Stoke City, Brentford, West Ham, Man City. So there's one, two, three, counting Southampton, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Premier League teams left. Two of, uh, three of them or sorry, six of them are playing each other. So there's going to be at least six, or sorry, my math is wrong. I think there's going to be six, assuming that the other ones win their matchups that move on. Um, so I think that we are in good shape of moving on. Um, if we if we do advance against Southampton, if, if we don't match up against Man City, um, hopefully... Burnley Tottenham that would be an interesting one I think I think Burnley's got that but um, I'm happy that I think West Ham and Man City are probably the two best teams oh Leicester's in it as well um, but it's good and that Liverpool. oh yeah obviously I'm I'm blowing this part right now but <laughs> uh, yeah so that that's looking ahead now looking at Southampton one win in their last seven matches Premier League matches this is probably their best chance at silverware this season you know that's not really an expectation going into the season anyway for Southampton um the, in the last round they beat Sheffield on pens to advance so and I think the and the last time we played them which was right we we, we did play them in in the league right um a couple weeks ago we beat them 3-1 so we, we did struggle to get the lead though. Right. To be right. Fair to we, we had to score two goals right at that. I think end. that was was that the first time we conceded a goal from open play against them, if I'm not mistaken. Um they were not that was not open that was play. A penalty. Uh, Chilwell Chilwell tackled oh, yeah. Menzo in the yep. box. And then yep. uh Ward Ward Prowse. James Ward Prowse. Yeah, and then we had to we yeah. scored two late goals, Timo and Ben Chilwell. That that was the triple the triple banger. Uh, right at the end with Ben Chilwell. Um, so, 
really what what is there to say about this match i really am not expecting too much from southampton they've looked they've looked pretty shit um in the past couple of, past month or so so i'm not too worried um andreas do you have any predictions um, I'm predicting that without Martin Dobrogia, I'm not worried about their offense. Uh, I think we'll probably see a lot of rotation. I'm begging we don't see the 3-5-2. Something tells me we probably won't, luckily, due to the Lukaku-Werner injuries. But I'm predicting the Hakim Ziyech. I'm predicting that he's going to be surprisingly the man of the match. Wait, sorry. I'm going. I'm jumping back, but against the Norwich in the Norwich game. Did you guys see that little skill move that... Uh, the Meg? Yeah, yeah, that he had in the corner. Oh my yeah, god, that was, that was nasty. That was there was a video crazy. from the stands that someone posted, and that was that was crazy. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's kind of hard to say what kind of team they're going to put out, because on one hand, this might be their only chance at silverware, and then on the other hand, they have a potential relegation battle on their hands. I'm not expecting Newcastle to stay at the bottom of the table beyond January because I'm expecting them to spend a lot of money. Um, I'm going to go 3-0 Chelsea. I think it'll be comfortable. I think this is a good team to play against uh, after a 7-0 victory because this is a team that's very prone to conceding nine. Um, so maybe, who knows? We might have that on the cards. Uh, but Andres, I hope you're right. I I... I I think the Ziyech uh, performance is is really important for us because if we could get another player up there firing, it's just going to buy us time, you know, to slowly bring Lukaku back and not necessarily rush him. We I know we totally like skipped over Ron talking about Pulisic. I don't I know oh, yeah. that he was supposed to start training. I don't think that this is the match for him, but um, maybe. A chosy yes outside. Uh, Havertz is going to have to start in the middle. So I'm assuming uh, those two, I think those two are going to need to be the key contributors because, again, the, if the front three are playing well, then the team will play well. Yeah, I mean, that kind of wraps things up. I mean, I think we all feel pretty good about the Southampton match coming up. I think we just feel pretty good about the team in general right now, barring the injury situation. So, um, you know, until the next episode, make sure that you're following us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Uh, we've also gotten a couple emails, which have been great. So if you want to reach us, reach out to us via email, tell us how you came across the pod, how you became a Chelsea fan, or just to just to tell us how you like the show, uh, Romans Empire Pod at gmail.com. Um, and until next week, Keep the blue flag flying high.